Hi, Julie. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome back to the wide world of resolutions. Mm, it's great. The water's warm. <laughs> the amusement park that is your new year. Um, I'm going to set a scene for you and the listeners. The holidays are over. New Year's parties feel like they're forever ago. The dark of winter continues and you are back to your usual routine of the new year. So you think to yourself, what's going to be better in 2023? Stats tell me that there's a strong likelihood that people listening right now said that they were going to either eat better, lose weight, or be healthier. So what's the next step? So where do you think people are going, Julie? To their doctor friends. Yeah, I wish. (laughs) That's the plan. And you're listening. So you did it. Thank you, everybody. So it's interesting. Rather than reaching out to a healthcare professional, many are turning to the internet for supporting guidance. No shocker, right? Mm -hmm. A survey by a communications platform, Sortlist, found that one in five social media users trust influencers more than health specialists. And the results also found that 47% of the 1,000 respondents use social media as their primary health information source. It's kind of putting numbers on stuff we probably already thought was happening. Yeah. Kind of scary, right? So when it comes to fad diets, we know that many are not actually sustainable or healthy, and some can lead to unhealthy obsessions, dangerous eating disorders. And social media posts are just full of propaganda pushing for thinner bodies and ways to be healthier and quick, easy ways to get there. Just everything that's just so perfect and idyllic, right? Yep. So researchers at University of Vermont analyzed a thousand TikTok videos under the most popular hashtags related to body image and eating by using search terms like food, nutrition, weight, and body image. And the study included 10 hashtags with at least 1 billion or more views. Still pretty good. Yikes. On, on the li- on on the list were hashtag what I eat in a day and hashtag weight loss, which had 3.2 billion views and nearly 10 billion views respectively at the start of the study. Wow. And less than 3% of the nutrition related TikTok videos analyzed by the study's researchers were weight inclusive, meaning that vast majority of the content was weight normative and identifies weight as the main determinant of health, right? We're doing all of this is because we need to lose weight and we need to be thinner. And that's only 3% were not focused on that. That's crazy, that's right? That's gross, man, is what it is. <laughs> Nearly 44% of the shared videos included content about weight loss and 20.4% portrayed someone's weight transformation. I mean, it gives you an idea of like where people are getting these ideas and how yeah. we're going to end up on this episode that we're about to go through, right? I'm strapped in, man. This is yep. this is exactly what I want to talk about. All right. So today we're going to examine some of these current trending diets. What are they? Where did they come from? What is the theory? What is the actual science? Will they work? And maybe most importantly, like, are they safe? So today we're going to take on the diets of TikTok. Welcome to your doctor friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen. And we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. All right. Welcome to another edition of New Year's Resolution Series with your doctor friends. Julie, do diet trends or wellness movements make it into your feed in any form or fashion, either someone you follow or sponsored or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I think the algorithm knows that I'm not into uh, certain types of stuff. Like the kind of, I I hope I'm a three, a three percenter, like you mentioned before, but I probably get a fair amount of the 97% that trickles into my feed. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the intro, for most people, every couple posts in the feed involve some trending wellness fad. Like that doesn't even include the sponsored material, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so today um, I want to work both you, Julie, and the mm-hmm. listener through some specific diets that are hot right now. It's not a comprehensive list of every fad diet that's ever been on social media, but it's stuff that's pretty raging right now. So the way that I'm going to format this is I want to start from the least extreme and the most well-known and Mm -hmm. move more extreme as we go. Fair? Yes. Love it. Okay. Do you have any guesses on one I'm about to start with? Uh, Intermittent fasting. It is not what I'm doing. Oh! You are not the next contestant on The Price is Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> boop, boop, so intermittent fasting is a great one and we we've covered it once before a little bit yeah. so the first one we're going to start with is the keto diet oh okay yeah yeah yeah. that was so, that was in my wheelhouse yes good good so good, i good, think good. everybody listening has probably heard of the keto diet short for the ketogenic diet the basic concept here is it's a diet high in fat low carbohydrates that aims to achieve weight loss by burning fat so in a weird way, it's not unlike Atkins or South Beach. This isn't terribly revolutionary like the low carb concept has existed before. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the main difference is between like the Atkins South Beach and the ketogenic diet? Um, well, the other ones <laughs> seem to be trademarked and, <laughs> and keto. I mean, unless keto has a trademark, I don't know. There's no it's not like the Atkins, te- you know, it's not the Allen diet. Uh, not, no, not yet. Not yet. It is not. It is not. Yeah. After I after we slay it on this episode, it may. But the um, so so yeah. So the biggest difference here is that unlike other low carb diets like the Atkins and South Beach, which focus on protein, a keto plan centers on fat. Yeah. Okay. And actually, it wants to supply as much as ninety percent of your daily calories as fat, which is kind of yeah. crazy. <laughs> so the classic version of the keto diet is composed of 90% fat, 6% protein, and just 4% carbohydrates. So basically like no carbs. Okay. So do you have any concept of what the US recommendations are for fat content? So like what we're supposed to be doing, not the ketogenic diet? What not 90%. It is <laughs> Isn't not. Isn't it like probably like 20 or something? No, it's pretty good. 25 to 30%. Okay. Right? So we're talking about three times as much. I was going to say, if you were talking about like the 90s thought of fat in your diet, that would be 0%. Zero percent fat, no fat, only sugar and fat and things that are like fat that make you have uh, anal leakage. (laughs) So I think what you've emphasized is that these things change over time, which is why we're doing the current diets of TikTok. So um, the, the real goal here is that this diet aims to force your body into using a different type of fuel, right? So we're used to using sugar or glucose, and that comes from carbs, such as grains, legumes, vegetables, fruits. The keto diet relies on ketone bodies, Keto keto diet, ketone bodies, mm-hmm. a type of fuel that the liver produces from stored fat. So basically, if you're breaking down your stored fat, you're going to make ketone bodies. So you're going to lose fat and, the, and your body can still run on these ketone bodies and you're going to lose weight, so on and so forth. So the diet was actually first introduced in 1921 by American physician, Dr. Russell Wilder. Do you have any concept of what he developed it for? Um, people with diabetes. Not a bad guess. Not the answer. People that he didn't like the way they looked. <laughs> also fair. It was 1921 and it was a man. Um, <laughs> or and, now. And, or 2021. And, or 2021 and it was a man. Um, so, yeah. So it was actually a way to reduce hard to control seizures in children. Oh, yeah. I would not have guessed that. I was supposed to guess that. Oh, it's like you a Lorenzo's were, oil thing. You were not supposed to guess that. Okay. Um, so... What's crazy about this is it actually worked. It like works. And to this day, it's actually an effective treatment for hard to control seizures. Um, Okay. Yes. This is ringing bells and and it should, because now I'm like embarrassed as a physician to like not have that clicked. So, you know, that's okay. We won't, we won't publish this anywhere or anything. It's fine. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it's not the focus of the podcast. We're not going to go into seizures anymore, but just understand that like the keto diet does have a use. It like really does. It does. It can help hard to control seizures. So, okay. So burning fat seems like an ideal ideal way to lose pounds, right? If I told you you could burn fat, that seems good, right? But getting the liver to make ketone bodies can be really, really, really hard. It sounds super easy. You're like, yeah, I'm just not going to have sugar. So my body needs ketone bodies. But first of all, it requires you to deprive yourself of carbohydrates. Like you basically have to have 20 to 50 grams of carbs per day. And I want to tell you that like a medium-sized banana has 27 grams of carbs. My my kombucha that I'm drinking, and I drink like two or three of these a day because I'm nuts, uh, has 14 grams of carbs. Yeah. So you've had three and that's your, you couldn't have that's any. That's all I get. <laughs> yes. You could have four theoretically if you're in the 50 grams of carb per day. But yeah, like, like a banana, a medium-sized banana has 27 grams of carbs, right? So the 20 to 50 grams of carbs is crazy low, crazy low. Also, it takes a few days to get to ketosis. It's not like you can be like, okay, I had 20 to 50 grams of carbs today, so now I'm going to have ketone bodies. Like your body actually has to think it's starving. Um, So it takes a while. And then the other thing that I think it's actually overlooked quite a bit and something that I wasn't completely aware of is that eating too much protein can actually interfere with the ketosis because protein can be converted to glucose if, you know, and so you would stop Especially the in starvation production. mode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the concept of why this has to be almost a fat only diet, because if you want the ketone bodies, you can't have protein either. 
Mm. So now you've basically restricted carbohydrates and protein. I think you can kind of start to get a sense of where the problems are coming from here, <laughs> just in general about like how restrictive this is. So, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question now that I think you actually can answer. I was setting you up before for some you couldn't, but do you have any good ideas of like maybe some foods that would be good in a ketogenic diet, like common foods that are eaten in ketogenic diet? Uh, olive oil. Yeah, uh, al- oils. Um, avocados. Yep. Um, I don't know. I would expect like maybe they wouldn't want animal fats because animal fats come with proteinaceous things. Um, like n- nut situations. Nuts. Like a, okay. They do uh, like meat. Meat does count. Meat and fish. So you did you did a good job. Meat, fish, butter, eggs, cheese, heavy butter. cream, oils, nuts, avocado, seeds, low carb vegetables. The one thing I want to point out here is there's actually a lot of sweeteners that are used in ketogenic foods. Um, maybe not necessarily the ones you're making at home for yourself, but certainly if you're buying the packaged products that are keto friendly mm-hmm. because they need to replace the sugar or the carbs with something. So these are going to have a lot of stevia and mm-hmm. stuff in it. What's your feeling towards like things like stevia and things like that? I mean, my feelings towards stevia is better than my feelings towards aspartame, but that's also, I think, should be its own episode. What what artificial sweetener is is bad, but I don't know. It's hard because it smells funny, but it also is like, does it smell funny because it's just like, I don't understand it. And so my default is to assume it's bad for you or pseudoscience and that in like five years, it's, we're going to find out it like makes your eyeballs turn inside out or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. My natural feeling is that a lot of times people who go on these diets and they're talking about how natural they are and how it's what we've been doing for a long time. And we've all just like showered ourselves in carbs. And that's why we can't do very well. And then you're like, well, we didn't really have stevia sweeteners back in the good old days. So that's kind of where my head goes. Yeah. And maybe if it's okay, then it's like, fine, we're then allowed to everybody hates a phony. Like, yeah, we, (laughs) we, we hate a phony and we hate a somebody that talks out of the side of their mouth. And you know, but just because I hate a phony doesn't mean that I can't potentially accept that maybe this maybe this type of like artificial quote unquote sweetener that is natural is kind of okay. I can see both sides, but I'm 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 more willing to be on the side of like, I don't know about that <laughs> towards towards artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Yeah. So if we had like our own stamp, it would be the I don't know about that stamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be Keenan doing it. Keenan Thompson would be saying it. Okay. And so in contrast, nearly all carb sources are eliminated. So these are your grains, rice, beans, potatoes, sweets, milk, cereals, fruits, some higher carb vegetables. Um, So, all right, let's get down to the fun part of this. Do you think it works, Julie, for weight loss? No. Why not? Because it doesn't seem sustainable and it probably has a bunch of weird stuff. Like it makes you, your GI tract be bad or like then your potentially your lipids suck or it just, it isn't sustainable or it doesn't work. Here's going to be my answer for everyone. It doesn't work for everybody. So it shouldn't be a blanket statement that we should all be using this thing. I I like your hedging there. The, the, (laughs) I'm going to put a plug out for some of the evidence that I'm going to use here from a website called examine.com. If you've never heard of Mm, Uh, examine.com, check it out. They are a a, a wonderful website with evidence-based evaluations of things like nutrition and supplements and whatnot, and they don't take any advertisements and they are completely unbiased, which is great. So for weight loss, the evidence is kind of mixed here. It tends to show fairly similar weight loss as other diets. There was a meta-analysis of 32 trials comparing basically like carb levels within diets. And it mm. more or less was like the same as every, all the other ones. Okay. So in reality, it's like, yes, you lose weight, but not any better than any other diets. Got there it. was a slight decrease in body fat. These were both like graded B level evidence, a being the best, you know, F being the worst. Mm-hmm. And then there was also in my, uh, uh, I thought important, a slight decrease in lean mass, which makes sense. You're not getting protein. Right. So, right. So you're going to become like sarcopenic after a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're going to lose muscle mass because you're not getting protein. So you'll lose body fat. You'll lose some weight. Both are slight. Um, and you'll also lose some muscle mass. So you already hit on this, but the other thing is that short-term loss is basically what we're talking about here because most people gain their weight back because it's very, very difficult to stay on this. It's secondary restricting typical carb-containing processed junk foods that you shouldn't have been eating in the first place. And so you lost weight on it in the short term. Yes. Okay, so just some other things real quick. There are some other benefits of this. Um, It actually can strongly decrease your, with A, evidence, it can actually improve your triglycerides. 
So if somebody was like massively high on triglycerides, which is part of your like cholesterol panel, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be, I guess, unreasonable to do this to try to bring it down if you didn't want to do drugs. There's also a slight increase in HDL, which is the good cholesterol. And that's okay. a evidence as well. Um, so those are both good things. The only downside there is that it also slightly increases your bad cholesterol, LDL, which is C evidence, but also increases your overall cholesterol, which is A evidence. So it's kind of like there's some trade-offs there. Um in diabetics, this has been shown to notably decrease blood glucose and also to decrease insulin levels. So it's actually probably not bad for diabetics outside okay. of the fact that there's also the concern that you could put them in ketoacidosis because right. <laughs> we don't yes. want, which is a, a risk. If you're a diabetic, you could actually get too much ketone bodies and it causes you have to go to the hospital. So yeah. I'm not saying that diabetics should use this. I'm saying that if you were diabetic, there may be some value if you could have this overseen to maybe get your blood glucose and insulin level down. There was no effect. There was no effect on blood pressure, and then the one that I kind of put a question mark by was inflammation, because actually the study showed that there was a slight increase in CRP. But this one gets talked about all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Keto diets get talked about all the time for being anti-inflammatory, because there's been some animal and anecdotal uh, evidence of like decreased inflammation, but there's been zero. Let me repeat that: zero human trials uh, looking okay. at that. So uh, well, I don't think this is going to decrease your inflammation personally. And I'm not a registered dietitian, so I'm not going to talk out my butt right now, but there's probably got to be some breakdown in types of fats that you're, if you're, if your whole diet, I mean, 90% of your diet is fats, like you can probably put some crappy fats into your system or knock off your balance of omega-3s to omega-6s. I don't know how much we're talking about that anymore, but I bet you could err on the side of like skewing towards not the best fats if your whole damn diet for the most part is fats, so... Yeah, I think you're hitting on an interesting point with a lot of these diets is like within them, you don't necessarily have to be quote unquote healthy. Yeah, right. (laughs) But you are following restrictions, so you may still end up losing weight, at least early on. Yeah, and you'll be miserable. It'll be real fun for you. Yeah, miserable diets of TikTok. That's the new episode (laughs) name. All right. right. I'm ready to talk risks. Do you have have anything else uh, you want to ask me about the benefits? No, let's talk about risks and then I'm excited about what the next one is. Yeah, it's going to get darker. So, all right, there's four main theoretical concerns with this diet. The first is high levels of ketones can be dangerous, right? Like you remember ketoacidosis, right? Meaning that your blood is more acidic. That's not good for you. And and especially in diabetics, that can lead to you getting to the hospital. Yeah. So the counter to that, though, is it doesn't seem to occur absent an uncontrolled medical condition. And then there's been no cases reported of this in a two-year ketogenic diet study. So I think it's more of a theoretical risk at this point. So I don't like the concept of it. And I Mm -hmm. personally, I mean, I don't know if my body wants to run really off ketone bodies. And I'm always used to treating ketoacidosis, Julie. I don't know how it sits with you. Yeah, I like I like in in vivo, not in vitro. Meaning in people studies. Yeah, in in human vivos. Yeah, right. Um, okay. So the second, um, theoretical concern is that this diet tends to be really high in saturated fats and also Mm -hmm. has a micronutrient deficiency. I kind of put these together. So we already talked about the LDL increasing and overall cholesterol increasing, and that's just because it's high in saturated fats because you're having a lot of, you're having a shit ton of fat in this. Mm -hmm. So I don't, there hasn't actually been any data on this, but you would think that there's got to be maybe some heart risk for that. And then this is also a diet that's very low in some micronutrients such as selenium, magnesium, phosphorus, vitamin Bs and Cs. So again, there hasn't been a lot of data on like what that does to you. I just, it doesn't sit well with me to say, to have any diet that eliminates even some vegetables. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like what they're like low protein vegetables seem okay, but like, I just feel like. It it doesn't pass the sniff test to have a diet that's like, veggies, not important, not that important. Because again, like I think a lot of those, yeah, those micronutrients you may miss out on by stuff that's made by the sun and has a lot of fiber in it, which I think is uh, is always a, a big plus. Yeah. So the, the third theoretical risk here is, um, you know, that we need carbs to survive mm-hmm. and that if we don't get enough carbs, it's dangerous. Um, and so there, there's nuance to this one because in the short term, it's technically not true. We, we can survive without carbs because we can make glucose through gluconeogenesis. Mm-hmm. Our body knows how to make glucose internally. So mm-hmm. in theory, you don't need carbs to survive in the short term. The real question for me and looking through the data is 
what the hell does this do to you five to 10 to 15 years from now? Like if you're basically doing this for the long term, you've decided you're ketogenic for five, 10, 15 years, and your body's been running on ketone bodies for the most part for that long. I don't think we have any clue what that's going to do to somebody. Uh, that's kind sure. of scary to me. I agreed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, that, that passes muster. All right. The last theoretical concern is that there are claims of harm from diets high in animal products, and most keto diets happen to be high in animal products. So the problem with this one is that the claim is nearly impossible to evaluate with a simple yeah. like yes or no, because there's a huge number of studies involved, and a lot of them are individual animal based, and they all have varying conclusions. And so like, this is this one's going to remain theoretical probably forever. So okay. we don't really know if you basically did animal products almost exclusively. Mm-hmm foreshadowing if it's going to be bad for you <laughs> you're crafting this so well jeremy i feel like you and like scorsese and jim cameron and you know other great directors should all get together yeah i mean it, it the good news is is i i really ignored patients this week and really looked at uh, diets on tiktok um so <laughs> Great. Ignore your paying job and do <laughs> right. research for this pet project we have. That's for great. any patients listening, I did not ignore you. Yeah. I just wanted to see if Julie you would laugh at that. just glazed over. <laughs> you made Emily do everything. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So I'm going to summarize the keto diet real quick. Hmm. My, my impression, and I'd love for you to maybe give your impression of it too, is you can get short-term weight loss. There may be some health benefits with things like decreased triglycerides, glucose, insulin, but the weight loss, generally speaking, is not sustained and people gain it back because it is really, really hard to follow this diet. I think that there's no long-term studies to understand the risks. Anytime you're a physician, and that's what we are, we're a doctor podcast that we're trying to give you evidence-based, it makes me very nervous if you're going to plan on doing something for the long-term that I don't understand what's going to happen to your liver, your heart, your kidneys, or anything if you do this for a long time. We spend a lot of time as doctors with certain types of patients trying to keep them out of ketosis. So it does worry me a little bit that we're putting people in it. So I'd love to see more studies on that. I'm not opposed to seeing studies on that. I I won't rule it out. Um, And then I really strongly just for recommendations would be is if you plan to do this diet, I think having your primary care physician involved in a way that you can maybe get some labs on a recurring Mm -hmm. basis, maybe like instead of the once a year, maybe you're doing it twice a year or three times a year or whatever the primary care physician kind of like is comfortable doing. But maybe you can start to follow your cholesterol a little bit more frequently. You can follow your blood counts and your, um, you know, like the, the. Vitamin like mineral, that, yeah, yeah, vitamin mineral okay. stuff sure. and and, yeah. and all that stuff just to make yeah. sure that you're not wha- getting all wacky all over the place um, um, and, and, and can get off of it if you need to. So that's my impression. Any uh, any lasting impressions before we dive deeper into purgatory? No, I love I love your summation there. And I also would add on probably the spin I add on every single thing we ever talk about here is the barriers to use. And I'm nodding both towards our our prior episode with Dr. Naomi Perella talking about um, the weight of weight management and also nodding in the direction of our podcast uh, uh, superheroes, uh, Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs, that these are often expensive (laughs) and not sustainable. And uh, a lot of these types of food choices may be very difficult to make and are not for everyone. And I think that there's a lot of um, socioeconomic barriers to this as well. And so like, you know, a lot of metabolic disease is also a disease of um, poverty <laughs> and not to get on my soapbox, but I think a lot of it, like the point is that why these are fads and why they are flashy and fun is because they probably cost an, a bunch of money and make somebody else a bunch of money. The end. Uh, excellent summation. I think we will come back to that summation a few more times in this episode. (laughs) Yay. Look, I'm doing it too. Okay, Julie, I want to build on a restrictive trend here and kind of just take us the next level of keto away from carbs and talk more extreme. And I want to talk about the carnivore diet. Are you familiar with the carnivore diet? Yes, sure. Yes. Well, that's good. What is your <laughs> understanding my of the, tone here? Yeah. What, what, what is your what is your understanding if, of the carnivore? If you're going to bring up the liver king, I'm going to flip a table. 
Are you going to? <laughs> no. Were you thinking about it? No. Had I been thinking about it, I certainly wouldn't have now. <laughs> well, he's a jerk who's going to jail or something, I think, now, or at least has lost all his credibility to anybody. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I well, <clears throat> personally, I, I, I only eat of the fish. So that's, that's a, that's a, a me bias. But uh, I don't know, it seems. So you not are not doing great. the carnivore diet, it, it appears. Nope. So th- this one, I think the name is relatively self-explanatory, but let's just dive yeah. in for a second. This sure. is only eating food derived from animals. It's great. So it has to be derived from an animal to eat it. Um, okay. And the first red flag for me for this was when I went to examine.com and typed it in and there's nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm on my own. <laughs> so, okay. So what are some examples? Beef, fish, poultry, eggs, bone broth, animal fats like bone marrow and lard. Okay. Um, my first impression when I got to this was like, this sounds terrible. Like who wants to do this diet? No. Like nobody. I, I, I like meat. I don't eat uh, just of the fish. I I eat all of the meat. And yeah. if you made me eat this nonstop and that was all I could have, I, I can't, first of all, meat sweats galore. And also <laughs> like, ah, I, I'd get to day three and I'd be like anything but meat. I, anything. Um, <laughs> this is like keto and paleo had a child. Okay. Um, yep. A big and meat so, baby. yeah, a meat baby. Nice. I like that. Aww. Um, and it gained traction because of like these really prominent anecdotal cases of people who had these certain health conditions and then they went on this and their health conditions improved. So, I mean, extrapolate that out to almost everything in the uh, medical world of somebody trying something out. It's like, I had this health condition. I tried this and it went away. So buy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but this is like even this is like the playbook for elimination type diets, right? Mm. Extreme elimination. So you get rid of like everything, everything you feel better. So it must've been all the things you eliminated. Sure. must've been everything. Um, in reality, maybe it was something you were eating, but it probably wasn't all of it. It could Mm -hmm. have been maybe one or two things or, but now you're missing a ton of nutrients and there could be some problems here. Or it was placebo effect the whole time. Or you're like, or you're placebo in that weird, sweats. Yeah, the weird state of starvation that you're like s- seeing music, you know, <laughs> that now I feel happy because I've, you know, <laughs> I've shed my my worldly core. <laughs> so from my um, there's not a lot of studies on this and even finding reputable sources is very, very difficult. But of the people who quoted studies, so I okay. do not know how reputable these studies are. There are some promising findings of short-term weight loss, which I think, again, makes sense following the keto thing. You change your diet anyway, you're probably going to lose weight in the short term yeah, because uh, you're restricting things. Uh, improved mood, like less depression, uh, better glucose control, maybe less inflammation, like less autoimmune issues. So to be honest, those are all the same things I just said for keto. So I sure. think it's just like keto, again, on steroids. Um there's some like real significant consequences that jump off the page here for me. Mm-hmm. The first one that like stands out the most is like, there's literally no fiber in this diet. Zero. <laughs> no, none. Zero. Why would there be? It's not like when you're like a cat is a, is an, is an obligate carnivore. And because they eat the entire mouse and then like they get the nutrients from the grass that's in the mouse's tummy. Oh, we're going get... to, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get there. You're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> I'm very sorry, Jeremy. I'm very sorry, me. Please, please continue. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, well, you know, I had to bring cats into it. So. Yeah, well, you did. Um, but <laughs> you, yeah, you, you you mentioned a certain type of animal that gets eaten, and and there's a subsection of this that we'll get to. So, oh, no. But like, so no fiber is going to obviously make digestion worse. There's got to be some GI side effects to that. Sure. It's it's been clear that people who don't get enough fiber get a lot of colon inflammation. So we're talking mm-hmm. about this diet helping inflammation, but now your colon's all inflamed. So like. I, I don't know if this is like an on-ramp to colitis and things like that, but it just doesn't sound good in that way. And or then the cancer. other things, we, colon cancer. Oh yeah, sure. You know I mean, like That's you think point. that like the chronic right. inflammation of the colon can just. I, I again, I'm spitballing, but it the the connections are there, and I'm tying them together. Yeah, and so then the rest of it's kind of all similar to keto with cholesterol and vitamin deficiencies and things like that. But um, you know, obviously, you're not getting any of the fruits and vegetables and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. So okay, so. 
you didn't have to wait long to bring back your conversation there. So have you heard of the lion diet? No. Is this where you eat a whole mouse? No. The the lion diet actually, I think, predates the carnivore diet, to be Mm. honest. And it was originally created by a woman named Michaela Peterson. And she's a lifestyle blogger and a podcast host. Um, So clearly reputable. Um, Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about her is so she had depression and juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and she went on this lion diet and the symptoms improved. And so she advertised it. She was like, this is great stuff. The interesting thing about Michaela's story is she's been interviewed since that time. And she said she never intended the diet to be like, first of all, permanent for her. Okay. Like she was like, I'm planning to reintroduce things into my diet. I just needed to get, I, I literally had tried everything for my, my rheumatoid arthritis and depression and nothing was working. I tried all the medications. I tried all the stuff. I was desperate. Yeah. I went on this lion diet, my symptoms improved and I planned to try to like add stuff back. So like, it wasn't meant to be forever. Okay. The other thing is she was trying to treat a condition, right? She wasn't trying to lose a hundred pounds and keep it off. Like that was not, that was not her goal. So again, like this just gets extrapolated and is crazy. Um, so do you have any guesses on what the lion diet is? If it's kind of a sub of a carnivore diet? Using what I just foreshadowed from what you said before. I'm trying to think of like how lions would eat. And that's kind of like what, like a big cat. So like that you're, my guess would be that you're eating mainly meat, but then you're also allowed to have some type of like vegetable matter. It, it's way worse than that. Oh God. <laughs> Do you eat lions? Is it eating lions? Because <laughs> I don't want to hear about it then. You can only consume salt, water, and meat from ruminant animals, including cows, sheep, and deer. Are you familiar with what ruminant animals are? Yeah, like gra- like grass eaters or like. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I want everybody to understand what this is. So read what I just sent you. Oh, jeez. Okay, here we go, kids. Ruminants, suborder ruminantia, ruminantia. Sorry, are hoofed, uh, herbivorous grazing or browsing mammals that are able to acquire nutrients from plant-based food by fermenting it into a specialized stomach prior to digestion, principally through microbial actions. The process, which takes place in the front part of the digestive system and the and therefore is called foregut fermentation, typically requires the fermented ingesta, known as cud, to be regurgitated and then chewed again. <laughs> the process of rechewing the cud to further break down plant matter and stimulate digestion is called rumination. Okay, great. So, so grass, <laughs> grass fed and then fed again and then barfed and then fed again and again and again and again. So you want, so you're supposed to eat cud eater. You're, you're supposed to eat yeah. cud animals, cuddle, cuddle fish. You want to have cud stuffed animals. Cud stuffed animals. Cud yeah. stuffed. Got it. Okay, great. Um, yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I didn't know what ruminant was before I read that. Me neither. Like, I thought it would be grass, just grass eaters, but it's, they eat it, they eat it a lot and, and a lot of times over and over again. Yeah, they have like a special stomach that basically makes this like special foregut kombucha. fermentation. It, it makes kombucha for yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. you know what? I'm for it. Watch, watch I, us laughing at this. And then in 10 years, this is like totally proven to be the best thing for us. Right. And we are the stupid dum-dums that are on the wrong side of history. Just watch it happen. Yeah. Well, I reiterate, good thing we're not publishing this anywhere. Um, <laughs> so, not there for in perpetuity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I also think at this point, like words don't matter, right? So whatever. Um, <laughs> elimination diets are very high risk for eating disorders. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many blurred mm-hmm. lines between going down this pathway, this dark pathway that I just took us down with carnivore and lion. And what an eating disorder really is. Yes. Like how much restriction you are actually doing. Correct. Agreed. Agreed. And especially in our very, very fat phobic society that we live in and very, uh, yeah. And end of sentence. Yes. All right. So I figured after these two, what you really wanted was a carb uh, filled break. Would you oh, like a carb filled yeah. break? Yeah. Yes. All right. Give, give me the tatoes. <laughs> So we're going to go and do a complete 180 and bring the carbs back full stop. And we're going to do <laughs> juice cleansing. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Like literally 180, right? Like, yes. Forget the meat. Go just to the juices and the carbs. So, so this is all just overcorrection completely. Like don't correct. eat normal balanced stuff. That's not, that's not sexy or hot or mm-hmm. it, it takes too long and nobody makes money off of it. So either you, only eat fat, only eat protein or only drink juice. Yep. I think what I think what we've learned here is that you know we've clearly figured out dieting because all of these are very similar. 
yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the micronutrients as it were. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm scrolling through my TikTok, and the first thing tells me to only eat meat. The second one tells me I can have meat with some vegetables. And the third one says, don't have meat or vegetables, just have juice. And I'm like, shit, I don't know what to do here. What do I do? I'll eat nothing. Mix them all up in a blender and eat all of them. (laughs) There you go. Live 150 years. All right. The juice cleanse is interesting because it kind of includes like two words, right? There's the juice cleanse diet. So there's the word cleanse in it as well, right? So there's, there's two concepts here in here, but so the the premise here is to drink only juices from fruits and vegetables over a designated period to lose weight and quote, detoxify your body. And the length varies. Some people do it for days. Some people do it for weeks, but from what I could find in my research, Julie, this one compared to the other ones was never intended to be a long-term diet. I don't know of anybody, nor did I see any evidence of anybody who was like, I'm going to juice cleanse and that's my permanent diet. So that's a big difference between this and maybe some of the other ones we've talked about. Um, The other uh, important things to understand here is that nutrients, vitamins, and phytonutrients, which are basically like antioxidants in plants, are all present in the juice. So it's easy to glug a lot of nutrients quickly, and that's what people want to do. They just sure. like take them down, and it's great. Yeah. It's enticing because not only do you lose weight, but like there's a lot of marketing yeah. words that go along with the juice cleanse, uh-huh. like refresh and recharge and detoxify yeah. and feel your best and reset. reset. And yeah, yeah. Oh, you hit it. Yeah. Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> you've 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 been to this aisle. I've of the done store. this before. Is what I'm. Is why Adam and I did one once or twice yeah and like it does I'm sure you'll get into it but my thought is like there's a concept of at least it's aware it has some self-awareness of its temporary nature if it's like this is a every once in a while thing that you can do and maybe it's the kind of the same way when we talked about resolutions of like picking you know the first of the year to choose to do your resetting thing like i think a lot of people might take this as like i'm going to do this thing for 2 weeks i feel like i'm going to empty out the sludge bucket of my body and i'm going to feel uh purified we'll get into whole other uh, episodes about <laughs> purity and things that of uh, calling things pure in purity culture but yeah I, yes i i get this i've done this and I knew it was going to be temporary. And that was, and really, to be honest with you, I think we were supposed to do like a 10 day or a, tw- or a two week thing. And I think I made it through five or six days before I wanted to murder yeah. everything. Eat something. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to eat. A, I wanted to have a solid piece of something in my mouth that I could ruminate on. I wanted to ruminate. Yeah. Uh, oh, just got a weird view of, uh, image in my head. Um, the, can we dive deeper for the second on that? Please like do. what I'm made, done. what made you want to do it? Did a you end up there? years ago? I think we, he had an awareness of a, of a program that seemed relatively legitimate. I can't remember who it is right now, but like there was some, some data mining there that helped us to be like, okay, like that's cool. And it was, I think we probably had some sort of discount code and we knew it was going to be pr- like a temporary thing. And like the concept of like, like I know, and we'll probably get into this, like you don't need to detox because your liver and your kidneys and your immune system does that for you. But it was ding, sort of ding, like, ding, 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 ding. I know. But the concept in my mind, which didn't sound insane at the time, and it still doesn't seem that insane, is like, all right, like, can I can I give those things a little bit of a break from all the trash I put in there all the time, in a sense? And like, maybe just for a brief period of time, just say, here's just plant-based phytonutrients and water. And uh, I think there was, it was like, it wasn't a full, it wasn't two weeks of only juice. It was like the first few days you do this and then you could add in like, um, like small proteinaceous meals and stuff with it for, and it was like a week or two. So like it, I didn't do the dumbest thing ever. In fact, I probably would do it again. <laughs> well, I think, I think you what you just did there was great because I think it's going to set up for a lot of what I'm about to yeah. talk about. In addition, I think with maybe the, the exception of the lion diet and carnivore diet to a certain extent, a lot of these things are not stupid. No. A, a lot of these things are not dumb. That's the reason why they spread because they they make a lot of sense. But it, I think a lot of times it's kind of like the, what are the goals on why you were doing it in the first place? Yeah. And then the other thing would be is like, what are the risks of doing it? And also what other medical problems do you have? And that sort of thing. So yeah. no, I don't think you're dumb for doing it at all. Do you think it works for weight loss? I think it probably does temporarily. 
Yes, for the short term. Yeah. A juice cleanse is simply a restrictive low calorie diet. I mean, it's it's not yeah. complicated. You're restricting sure. a lot of calories, so you're going to lose weight. Um, the downside is unless you maintain that low calorie load after you go off the juice cleanse, you're just going to gain the weight back. So totally. it's not probably the best diet for long-term weight loss. I, let me rephrase that. It's not the best long-term diet for weight loss. Got it. Um, Are the you... other thing is, go ahead. I just had a quick question. A quick, quick, quick question. Is there a difference between a cleanse and a detox? My mindset was a cleanse makes you shit your brains out and a mm-hmm. detox is like you're just eliminating food and, and replacing it with water and nutrient. Um, in, in, in What we are discussing here yes. does not involve any laxatives or anything like that. So okay. the juice cleanse diet, from what I could tell through my research, did not involve any sort of like literally cleansing yourself with like laxative and things okay. like that. Got it. Um, I'm sure that there are probably some that advertise themselves with that. I think that is probably not the the purest form of this. So I think in this sense, cleanse and detox are the same thing. Okay, cool. Um, there's little to no protein in this. We've already talked about that with the keto diet that like, mm-hmm. again, I mean, if you do that for a few days, it's probably not the biggest deal in the world, but protein is pretty important. And then maybe the most interesting thing to me was like, there's a, like a shit ton of oxalate in in Ooh, fruits and Ryan would be mad at you. Yeah, there's a Ryan Steinberg in, in, in fruits and veggies and in his juice. And so, like, if your kidneys can't handle that amount of oxalate, you get the <gasps> stones. Kidney stones. <laughs> Ryan guy so would not to, be happy. Yeah. You can go listen to the stone episode to figure out what happens after that if you'd yeah. like to. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so like if you have kidney problems, if you're somebody who has a history of kidney stones, like the juice cleanse is probably not for you. No. Um, as has been a theme, no long-term studies. Um, but again, most people don't plan to do this for the long term. So I think the biggest concern that I have noticed through this research is that this really sets you up maybe even more so than the other ones, although every one of these diets does this for what's called weight cycling, right? Where you're going you're losing weight and then you gain the weight and then you potentially lose the weight and then you gain the weight. And we know from, from data that weight cycling is really, really bad for you that like it, it deregulates all your hormones and it can make it very difficult for you to ever lose weight again. And, and psychologically in, sure. in mood and behavior, I don't know. I mean, one would imagine that, that it, the havoc that it wreaks on your metabolic and endocrine system, it may wreak similar havoc on your brain and mood and general mental health. So the the time that you actually do feel good during the juice cleanse may be actually long-term not making you feel good because you may end up doing more juice cleanses and then you go up and down. So um, I, this was not the primary focus of this podcast, but I do, th- or this episode, but I do think that briefly touching on juicing for detoxing and feeling better uh, while we're in here, like, does that actually work? Um, you've already hit on it. Our body's constantly detoxifying. Thank you, liver, kidneys, and GI system. Mm-hmm. You don't need to ever detox your body. If you feel that you need to detox your body by doing a juice cleanse, it's because you feel like you're putting crap into your body, but you're not actually detoxifying it. Yeah. You could stop just eating the crap that you don't like, and you would still feel that better. So, um, Fruits and veggies do have vitamins and minerals that support the detoxification. Mm -hmm. So I do recommend fruits and veggies. And if you want to have juice for that to increase your vitamins and minerals to help your livers, kidneys, and GI system do it, great. But there's been no evidence to say that by glugging them down only that you're all of a sudden your livers, kidneys, and GI system do a better job. Mm -hmm. Also, you are missing one of the most important detox nutrients on the face of the planet. Remember it from the the meat-based diets. The one we already talked about. My my, my oh. brain is mush. I don't know. Well, I should know think, this. What? Think about the Roomba of the gut. Uh, your your like microbiome. Also known as fiber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. Yes. 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 So fruits and veggies it's have late. a ton of fiber in them, mm-hmm. right? Not when you juice them. Mm-mm. Zero fiber. So again, it's like all, it's some nutrients, but it's also no fiber and. Uh, mucho sugar too yes. i know it wasn't naomi saying that it takes like what would you say like like a glass of orange juice is like 15 oranges or something ridiculous you are so good at reading this outline that you never got to i see. did good i job, have not Julie. i have not read it how dare you <laughs> so listen the, i i want to just touch on the feel good because when people do this like notoriously people are like i felt better yeah and the truth is you probably did yeah why 
A lot of people don't get enough fruits and vegetables. Consuming more of these makes us feel better. Good job. You got more fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Juicing the fruits and veggies allows the sugars to be digested faster, Julie. You mentioned that. Boosts energy faster. When you yeah. get the sugars to your body faster, you feel better faster. Most people don't drink enough water during the day. When all you do is drink instead of eating food and you're just juicing all day, guess how much more water you got? Increasing hydration makes you feel better. Yeah. And solid food is generally the culprit for feeling like, like kind of like bloated and full and also yeah. creates gas. Loading. So people do feel less bloated. So the, the truth of the matter is juice cleanse diets do make you feel better. They just don't make you feel better for the reasons I think a lot of people are doing them. <laughs> Um, agreed and i think a lot of these diets probably make you feel better because there's one there's placebo effect you know that like i'm doing a thing that's different so i and i bought into it and if i if i feel like crap i'm gonna be, be mad at myself that i bothered doing it so there's probably some degree of like buy-in bias buy-in bias it's a big one so um all right so ultimately i think for juice cleanse diets to sum up this one real quick I, I think this one is, um, you know, generally safe, but again, meant for the short term, think days, not weeks. I, got you. Um, I also think it wouldn't be unreasonable just kind of going back to damp January for a second instead of dry January <laughs> yeah. to actually have some food as part of your juice cleanse, like just a little bit of fiber or protein. And then I really would not do this if you're diabetic, lots of sugar. I wouldn't do this if you have kidney or liver issues. We already talked about the oxalate problems. Sure. That is all I have on the juice cleanse. Anything you want to add? No. That was great. That was cool. very, very nutritive. All right. We dove, we dove deep. I was only going to do three. So that's what we have. I'm going to send you something because I think we're going to wrap up the episode. Um, okay. um, I want you to, this is long, but I want you to read it because it's from Newsweek. And I think it's a really cool summary of kind of like everything we've talked about. All right. Let me scroll up. Damn, homie. Okay. It's not that bad. Carbohydrates are often demonized as they're associated with pizza, pastries, and other unhealthy foods. But foods high in carbohydrates are an important part of a healthy diet. In fact, a low-carb diet that focuses on higher protein and fat foods, such as meat, nuts, seeds, and non-starchy vegetables, and restricts carbohydrates, could shorten one's life expectancy. A 2018 study published in the journal The Lancet, which is legit, found that people who ate less than 30% of the calories from carbs were predicted to have a life expectancy of 79 years, whereas those who consumed 50 to 55% of their calories from carbs were estimated to have a life expectancy of 83 years. Newsweek spoke to Ashley Kitchens, a registered dietitian. I'm sorry, her name is Ashley Kitchens. Their name is Ashley Kitchens. I shouldn't gender this person based on Ashley. Ashley Kitchens is a registered dietitian based in North Carolina. I'm loving this. Thank you so much. <laughs> who said, I do not recommend low-carb diets. They are not sustainable, suitable, or safe, especially long-term. Low-carb diets are enticing in the beginning because people tend to drop weight quickly from water loss and they might even feel better. However, low-carb diets are not a long-term solution to weight loss. Carbohydrates are not the enemy. Companies want you to think carbs are quote-unquote bad so that you continue to buy their low-carb products. In the long run, you're not the one who profits, the companies do. Most people who go on a low-carb diet We'll gain the weight back and then some. Thank you, Ashley Kitchens. End scene. That's great. So, um, yeah. So, and I realize reading it, sometimes it's hard to digest some of that. So, again, there was a study in 2018 in The Lancet that showed that actually the people who had 50 to 55% of their calories from carbs versus people who had 30% of calories, so more carbs, right? Mm -hmm. 20% more carbs mm -hmm. were estimated to live four years longer. So whether that is uh, actual accurate, accurate in terms of the four years, it does tell you that there wasn't a huge benefit to cutting your carbs, in my opinion. Sure. And then I loved Ashley Kitchen's uh, uh, quote, because I think that it really is, they're demonized. Carbs are demonized these days. Yeah. And I think there probably are some carbs you don't need to have. I partake in some of those carbs every once in a while too. Sure. Ice cream is fantastic. It's really, Absolutely. really good. And again, like, I, and I, I can't not talk about maintenance phase <laughs> in, a, in an episode like this, but there are a lot of reasons people eat. Sometimes we eat because we're hungry. Sometimes we eat because we it's we're in an environment where that's the thing that you do. I think Aubrey said, like, you're at a you, you're, you eat birthday cake at a birthday party. You eat some foods because they make you feel comfortable or remind you of things. Or sometimes you eat because it's an emotional um, like it makes you feel good, you know? So it's sort of like, we're, we're supposed to eat food. <laughs> like Our bodies need food. 
And so I think what you're telling me is here's a bunch of ways to eat food in really bizarre ways that provide some short term, some benefits, but probably the long term outcomes are either not well known or just seem completely unsustainable. Is that is that wrong? No, I think that was a really good summary. <laughs> I, it's funny, I, I did a lot of this research, right? And so when I got to the end of it, I was like, what did I learn? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what did, what did I yeah. learn? And so I actually wrote down in bold kind of like what I thought about this. My summary as a clinician was, I kind of think that diet should be thought about like prescribed medication. Mm. When patients come to see us and we prescribe a medicine, the most common questions we get are, okay, well, why am I taking it? Yeah. Like, what are the benefits for it, right? The next thing is like, okay, well, what are the side effects? Like, mm -hmm. what could this possibly do to me? Are there any risks? What are the risks of me taking it? What about if I take it for a long time versus if I take it for a week or two? And then we hear all the time, like, I don't want to take medications or vaccinations because of these risks and side effects. The diets that we're talking about, any diet for that matter, they function the same way. Mm. You have something that you're trying to get out of it. There's a benefit that possibly is there. But there are possible side effects, there's possible risks, and you need to weigh the benefits and the risks and also understand how long should I be doing it for and that sort of thing. And I just don't think diets are thought about that way. I really don't. I think it's really like, in a weird way, people kind of talk about diets like they're black and white. They're either good or they're bad. Yes. Well, they're polarizing because they, they the, their powers can be used for good, but many times they are not used for good. Um, yeah, I Absolutely. Did you learn anything? Did I teach you anything? Yes, I learned a lot. <laughs> um, you were talking about how you were sort of ruminating on your thoughts and what you bolded. Um, for some reason in my notes, I, I wrote down and, and uh, underlined a whole bunch, auto-cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me, my joke was going to be, in, in, the carnivore diet, diet. in the carnivore diet, if you ran out of animals to eat, you could just cut off a piece of yourself and just have yeah. you. I have this image of like Will Smith and I I am legend. That's just what you just gave. <laughs> I just thought we needed to end on a not so not not so lofty preachy uh a note. Yeah. And please uh, uh subscribe and share the show with one person. That's our new year thing. Take you know if you loved it Send the send the link uh, to one one person right now that you think would enjoy this. Um, we want to spread our message as much as we can. Julie, to wrap up, I want to say TikTok is not a nutritionist. Ask your doctor friends. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast.